Hello and welcome to the new Spiro podcast where we interview experts, authorities and characters on all things spearfishing. Come and join us after the show at noobspiro.com, the online spearfishing community helping you to become a better Spiro. Here are your hosts for the show, Shrek and Turbo. G'day Noob Spiro community, today we are off to Cyprus to hear about deep diving in the Mediterranean. Our guest Anvar Mufasilov is the creator of the Deep Spearfishing Encyclopedia, a YouTube channel which is a guide to improving yourself in the disciplines of high performance spearfishing. Anvar hails from Kazakhstan, but he has made Cyprus his home. Anvar, are you happy to get away from your Uncle Borat? Oh yeah, it's it's lovely here, and not a lot of people ask me about him, but so it's pretty good. That's ah, good. So far, so good. <laughs> All right, Amber. So, um, Turbo, you wanna? Yeah, mate. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you got started in the uh, world of spearfishing? Spishing. You guys <laughs> really good. With this well, uh, I started five or six years ago uh, I remember we were hitchhiking with uh, with a friend of mine we went to a very distant place here in the island we were lucky to meet some Cypriots who well at that time I never even thought you could hunt fish under the water I never thought you could actually dive to 10 meters I just never bothered yeah. and uh, that day that lucky day there was a, a guy who gave us a ride a Cypriot he said Look, if you guys are stuck, you could come to this place. It's my friend's restaurant, and uh, we could go spearfishing or we could do something. And at the time, I had no idea about it. So, of course, we were stuck. We missed all the hitchhikers, all the we missed all the alternatives to leave this place. Yeah. So we ended up at the restaurant, and uh, we spent the night there. The next morning, they gave us this very let's say uh, a budget version gun with a green plastic toxic handle yeah, and yeah. some i don't know 14 millimeter rubber band and some weird i don't know <laughs> let's say bad chinese technology <laughs> and it was a blast it was the first time i was in the water with a gun with the mask uh it was incredible i was hooked i was shooting little fish that were honestly 10 centimeters big <laughs> Yeah, of course, much, the first time pretty they much looked, what Turbo does they... after a few years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you improve with time. Good yeah. luck with that. I, I thought I would actually. This, this is how I got started, and that's cool. From that time, it was a continuous uh, pursuit of knowledge and pursuit of experience. Yeah. So what's but sort once of... you start, it, it's like a cycling bug, spearfishing bug. Once you start, it's so hard to change your mind, to give up, or not to do it again yeah yeah so what, what were some of the early difficulties you had well the the biggest difficulty i think most of us have uh in spearfishing as we start is the lack of the mentor or the lack of the people who are willing to invest their time and help you out yep. with the technique or with the equipment i think it's the same for all of us yep. and this is what i've been through for example i I didn't know that you had to equalize for the first few months and I thought that the pain would go away eventually <laughs> until some kid on the street he was like hey you know you pinch your nostrils and you blow and it's like your ears pop and it was a it was a new life for me or for my ears. <laughs> you're the you're the second guest we've had that said the same thing he he only spent one day doing it though you spent several weeks doing it I, I applaud you for sticking with it <laughs> Mate, I was just gonna ask you quickly what sort of fish species are you hunting in Cyprus? Is it? Uh, we don't have as much pelagics 
So mostly it's the reef fish, it's the groupers, it's the sea bream. Um, we do have occasional amberjacks going in. We do have some tunas, but the tunas are usually very far offshore. Yeah. And for example, last night we were diving uh, yesterday and the, the guy saw some something like a tuna at 15 meters deep. Wow. That, I, I haven't seen it. I was given a course a few kilometers away, but he was quite stoked about it. Cool. Well, yeah, I would be. We don't see much tuna here. Some, some it's, tuna hunting is very um, specific. A lot of guys go out. And yeah, just, yeah. They they target you have to it. Go far out. It's mm. charming systems. Yeah. And we just bother with it. To tell yeah. you the truth. So Dentex is that another one you get there? Yes, Dentex is the probably the key, uh, the key, the king, the king of the Mediterranean. Yeah. It's the most careful fish. It's the the one that would wear you out. It's the one that if well, here in Cyprus, if they see the tip of your head or your gun, yeah. they're going to stay 15 meters away from you. They're going to check you out, but they're not going to come very close. Wow. Okay. So even if you look at the competitions, the most points are awarded for Dentex. Yep. Because this is honestly the, the jewel of the med. Yep. And, and what, how are the Dentex population numbers in Cyprus? Is there a lot of them? or? The, well, uh, let's put it that way. When we dive, we see them... F- let's say four or five times a day yeah it doesn't mean that you shoot one but you do see them (laughs) and uh they are they're very careful this they don't taste as good so i don't really get why people value them so much Mm. but honestly to shoot them or to catch them is is a task yeah well so conditions around cyprus what's it like there oh the water is usually beautiful you said the at your part of uh, australian coast it's quite murky Mm-hmm. up to 50 kilometers or whatever very far out here the water is usually quite clean so you have a 30 35 meter visibility wow technically you if you are far out and you the water depth is around 30 35 you see the silhouettes you see the sand on the bottom you see where the rocks are you don't oh. see the fish of course but you know where you're diving um well and yes cyprus has a lot of rocks so the Bottom structure is very cool. There are a few places where... Do you, do you know who's a titan from Greek mythology? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's like those huge... Well, they look like, apparently, they look like men, but they were, let's say, 20 times bigger, 20 yeah, yeah. times taller. Yep. And there are places in Cyprus where you could imagine some... This titan, I don't know, 30 meter tall guy with a giant fork. Yeah. And he was just wrecking the rocks, like going back and <laughs> forth, back and oh, forth. Okay. So you have those structures with caves and columns and some something that looks like a house but wow. not much fish though but amaz- amazing diving like good visibility yes, yes. What, what about current are you putting up with current much uh the currents are at the at the um, the tips of the they're island they're not right at the coast yeah at the tips of the island mm, cool and this it could get very scary sometimes i've been to well i would speak about it a bit later but i've been to a point when the current is so freaky that basically your, your hair stands up, my hair stood up and I was just, there was this deep fear inside because you have just have no idea what's going on. Now, Anvar, our audience don't have video at home, but I can see you don't actually have much hair, buddy. <laughs> uh, what, what I say about it is that the brain, as you always learn and improve, the brain starts to push the hair out. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like yeah. that. Well... No wonder Brown's got a full head of hair. He hasn't got much of a brain. (laughs) All right. um, So if you're going to share a story of a memorable fish, 
what what really sticks out for you, Anvar? Like, have you got a have you got a stalk that you just you you always sort of remember? Well, yeah, the I, I could share a few actually, and they show to me they showed how much how important the mental aspect of the sport is. Uh, I remember there was a day at, there is an area here in uh, North Shore, North Coast. It's called Balalan. I'm not sure what it means, but it's just Balalan. And uh, there is an island, it's one kilometer outside, one kilometer offshore. Uh, it breaks the surface and then it drops very deep. Um, it was a year ago. We went to the same spot, let's say, uh, in June, June the 1st. And I've had a very good Dentex, I've had a few groupers, I've, had a, I've seen a very good Amberjacks. We finished and I thought, okay, since I didn't shoot a lot of groupers, I, I could come here to the same spot maybe in a couple of days and just target the Amberjacks because the Amberjacks go there. Well, they swim around the island. They like those uh, very uh, fast depth changes. Yeah. Mm. So I went in a couple of days and it was a very empty day. I haven't seen anything. There was nothing. And I thought, okay, look, Anwar, the day is basically screwed. So you have to take control. I found a very nice spot right before the drop to 25. And I said, well, you have a couple of hours left. What if you just make dives and dives and dives and dives, basically ambushing, ambushing and ambushing and ambushing the same spot over and over again until the fish comes. Yeah, wow. I almost, I honestly believe that this is a good strategy if you have enough time. And on my seventh or eighth dive, I've seen this, well, pretty big for our seas amberjack. It was a 24 kilo. Yeah. It just approached me right in the face. One shot, the fish just flipped. I came up and I thought, okay, Anwar, you should employ this technique more often because <laughs> there is this saying that if you push the wall too hard, well, either your brain will, if either your skull crushes or the the wall kind of goes through. Yeah. So this would be one of the advice for for the guys who just start. Yeah. You have to continuously keep doing something. Don't expect and pay back just in a in a week or in a month. That's great advice. So perseverance and, 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 and really just sort of sticking to a yeah. technique and just and just keep doing it until you can do it well. Yes, yes. I, I think there's always fish. Regardless of whether we come home with fish or without, there's always fish. Mm. Any place you go, any country, any depth, anything. But it's down to us to take control of the situation and actually get us get ourselves closer to, to that particular fish or to prey, to our prey. Mm. Cool. Good advice. Yeah, you, <clears throat> we've seen some... Like we were um, having a look at guys spearfishing up in Alaska and yeah. like, you know, crazy conditions. I actually wonder how it is. I think it's pretty cool there. Yeah, yeah it looks cool. It looks cool, yeah. <clears throat> it it cool. should be quite good for fish because there's this uh, the breeding grounds for whales and other animals. And there's another guy we're having on the show. He's from Norway, you know, like two degree water all the time and like just crazy. Yeah. Like, um, And so people all over the world love spearfishing. We have people listen to our show from an amazing range of countries that you think, well, do they do spearfishing there? Yeah. Like la even landlocked countries, you know, like it's, it's, so it's cool. It's good. Even, so, even in New Zealand, they figured it out. I can't <laughs> believe it. Oh, look at this guy. <laughs> So um, what would be your scariest moment you've out, had out spearfishing? What did you take away from it? I think like most of us, or I want to believe that most of us are the same way. I, I think of, other, of the people around me more than I think of myself quite often. And it, it wasn't a very uh, risky day or anything like that. But there was the time when it was three of us in a boat. It was me, my partner, and his father. His dad is spearfishing to the depths of, I don't know, 25 meters. Yep. And we were diving a bit deeper, so he said, okay, guys, I'm bored with you, so I'm just going to head off to the shallower waters, and I'm, we're going to meet in an hour or so at the certain spot. 
So we did that. Uh, when me and my partner finished our diving, we couldn't find him where we agreed to meet. And it's just this awful feeling. That's Well, that's the point why you should always dive in a pair. This awful feeling of someone... It basically it was our choice to say okay you just swim and we're gonna hook up with you a bit later we let him go and then we couldn't find him for a good 20 minutes wow and those ugly thoughts going through the mind and it's it was a very scary moment mm. yeah, yeah cool right. but well yes the the most important thing is for you guys and for me and for all the people who actually go out to the sea to be with someone because uh, a lot of stuff could go wrong your fin could snap, your, I don't know, you could shoot a tuna that's going to drag you out, or mm. there are so many little things that it's very risky. So you want to try to decrease the risk any way you can. Yeah. And you, and right, and you just said, like, he, he started diving in 25 metres of water and you were going deeper. What sort of depth are you spearfishing at? Where, where do you consider it good? Uh, well, the as I said, the fish is always everywhere, but I, I just love the deeper water so mm. our rocks usually well my rocks at the time they usually start at around 33 32 and they go deeper wow and i honestly believe that uh fishless day at deeper waters is better than a fish full day at shallower waters i just mm. love the feeling i love yeah. the, the being able to use my technique mm. so and you and you said something because you you, you spear a lot of groper and you told me before yeah. the reasons for that. Can you tell us why that, that you go so deep for them? Well, the I think it's a bit ethical. I think spearfishing should is a very ethical sport, and we have to take uh, a lot of action and a lot of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people in here in Europe they hunt. Most of the people here in Europe they hunt under the rocks. So basically, you have a flashlight and you hunt the groupers which are at their houses or at their at their safe haven. Yeah. You see where the fish goes, you follow the fish, you dive in, and the fish is there. It will stay there for years. If no one shoots it, it's its house. And the people here um, use the flashlight to get deep inside these holes and shoot the fish. I just don't... I do use the flashlight sometimes hmm. when if I, if I think it's a very worthy fish or if, I, if the fish is hurt already. But I just don't think it's worth going after every fish in the rocks. I think the fish should have their own privacy, should have their own safe <laughs> houses. Yeah. That's good. That's your own personal standard. So That's I, good. I prefer to go deeper. The fish is usually less scared. They swim on the outside. And this is the, the combat at deeper waters or the spearfishing at deeper waters is much more fair. The terms are, for, the, the terms are more equal, balanced. Yeah, yeah, okay. Cool. And you wouldn't do... And we were saying before, like we, we're, we're quite shallow divers and we, we dive a lot, but how many dives would you get in on a day at those sort of depths? Uh, usually we don't do less than 20, but I would say uh, 40 is the max. Yep. I, I wasn't really tracking this progress recently, but I, I can see myself doing 25, 30, but not more than 40 because it, it, it becomes very challenging to mm. the body. Yeah. And the, the mind, of course. There are some guys here in Australia that, that dive a bit similar to you guys, Anvar, and they they do push some, some bottom times. It's completely different diving. There's long, long surface intervals. They have um, very rigorous buddy protocols. Because generally, we're not getting 30 metres visibility. Um, a lot of the time, yeah. you know, it's a lot a lot less. Mm. You know, 10, 10 to 15 metres on a good day okay. is out where we are. 
Um, sometimes we do get better visibility, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting hearing how that works. I, I like um, how you've developed your own sort of personal ethical standard. That's good. I think most of the guys that have been in the sport for a few years do develop that. And uh, when we're early on, we tend to, um, it, it takes a while to, to develop it anyway. But, well, yeah, yeah. I, this is one of, the, one of the episodes of the Deep Superficial Encyclopedia called Respect. Yeah. It was just about it. Uh, um, same thing in Cyprus. We find some rocks which were never, basically the people never dived there before or people never dove there before. And uh, there's lots of fish, hundreds of kilos of fish, but uh, some people would think, okay, I'm going to go to the same spot up until I shoot all this fish because I want to have those photos with the fish or I want to have a lot of fish at home, whatever. But as you guys probably know, the grouper, the the weight gain of a grouper, basically the weight grows, is mega slow, dusky grouper. Mm. It gets, I think, like 100 grams its first year when it's a juvenile. It gets 100 grams per year or something like that. Yeah. So let's say you guys shoot 30 kilo at a spot, I shoot 10 kilo, a few other guys shoot 50 kilo, and you have an empty spot for five years, six years, ten yeah. years. I have yeah. So I think if we want to keep taking from the sea we should learn to we cannot really give much to the sea but we should learn to control our taking in cyprus are there bag limits how, how many dusky groper could i take on a day well there is something like a five kilo per day but it's not enforced and it's it's something as a it's not even a gentleman's agreement basically once everyone was told that there is the bag limit that's it no one ever went back to it. No one ever reported <laughs> it. No one ever asked about it. Yeah. So there's no no enforcement of uh, marine laws there at all. Uh, little. Let's little. say not enough. I, maybe not little, but not enough for sure. Yeah. How many spiros do you think there'd be on on Cyprus Amber? Um, there are. The population of the country is around four hundred thousand, and I would say there would be uh, a couple of hundred people. Spearfishing. Uh, there are, let's say, around twenty who dive to thirty and who hunt at around thirty. Yeah. yeah. And how and how so, successful? So these guys going out on any given day, um, what would be like an average or good catch for a Cypriot? I don't think there is a. It, it would be fair to speak about the averages because I remember days when you would go to see weeks, for example, twice a week, and you would have three, four kilos. Uh, but on some days, there was a day this, this year already when we saw a few amberjacks and we shot quite good fish. If we were to shoot everything we tried to shoot, mm -hmm. it would be 60, 70 kilo. Mm. Wow. Yeah. One of the amberjacks was around 30, another amberjack was 15, one more amberjack was 6. There were big groupers, but yeah. um, I would say average for me would be, I don't know, 10 kilos. So three, four fish. Yeah, cool. okay. That's pretty reasonable. Yeah. All right. Now, you mentioned um, your deep deep um, spearfishing encyclopedia before. Um, yeah. It, it is time for the Veterans Vault with Barnacle Bob. Where is he? he he's there. He there he is. Arrgh! It's time to open the Veterans Vault. All right. So um, tell us a little bit about that. I've got... Um, so I said in the introduction that Deep Spearfishing Encyclopedia is a guide to improving yourself in the disciplines of high-performance spearfishing. You've got you've got five episodes up on your YouTube channel. Tell us a little bit about them. The initial goal for the Deep Spearfishing Encyclopedia was to provide motivation or to 
show the to provide an insight on actually the deeper aspect of spear fishing because I strongly believe that you cannot just keep spear fishing and improve the depth and improve the depth you have to actually put a lot of thought into it and I highlighted five areas well up up to, up until now it was supposed to be five but now people say we want a Spanish one we want this one so I, it might go on yeah, yeah. Uh, but I highlighted five areas which I thought to be very important and they were relaxation patience awareness respect and one called carpe diem which is embracing the moment uh, I think those five highlight uh, well they're the, the the fundamentals of becoming a better Spiro overall that's and, good well, being deeper specifically okay so relaxation what, what what do you talk about in your video for relaxation in the the first part was the relaxation it was quite choppy for me because it was the first part i never really i i didn't have a straight plan of what i wanted to do but uh of the start there were two aspects of relaxation well there are there are two aspects for me one is the mental relaxation and one is physical okay they are mega connected and i don't think you could be a good spear fisher if you don't know how to relax properly because well free diving is relaxation so spear fishing is relaxation and I just highlighted a few tips about uh, being relaxed in the water, your proper body position, yada, yada, yada. I spoke about trying to kind of let the stress go. And when you're in the water, you have to be in the water. You don't, your mind doesn't, well, it, it should not be outside thinking about your job, your kids, your wife, your stress, your loan, whatever it is. You should be there. You should focus on one thing. And this is when the performance comes. And, well, yes, uh, just go back to the overall the deep spear fishing encyclopedia one of the biggest goals i had was not to give answers however to motivate people to think if we were speaking and was just and if we were just saying this is better this is worse people don't really get the idea it goes through one year it leaves through another so the point of the encyclopedia was to give questions so that people would try to find the answers themselves and i think this is what i try to stick to so um so we, you give a couple of things there for the patients um so all of these topics we got relaxation patience awareness respect and carpe diem tell us talk to us a little bit about carpe diem like seizing the moment oh yeah this is like this was to me the most the funniest episode for me it wasn't greek and yeah i i it, i should be honest i don't speak greek but i have a lot of greek friends and they helped me learn to speak greek quite so, for example, now you will know that Thalassa is the sea in Greek. Thalassa. Thalassa. Yeah, there you go. This is this is this cool. is one of the words. Yeah, that's one word that I remember. A few other words, anyway. But yeah, uh, carpe diem was about being in the moment and embracing the moment that you have, trying to focus on here and now, and uh, not thinking about just shooting fish. But uh, enjoying the experience overall, enjoying being in the water, enjoying seeing the fish around you, enjoying interconnecting with this underwater realm. And it was a, it was a good experience shooting the, 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 the episode and a good experience kind of having seen people's reaction to it. We, we've had a couple of guests, um, David Ochoa, um, yeah. he's just, his episode is just about to come out, and Richard Leonard, and they both... They both talk passionately about the sport, and uh, Richard Leonard calls it the stoke. Yeah. And uh, carpe diem to me sounds a little bit like that, and keeping that keeping that attitude of just that's that love for the sport, and it's not, it's not just about shooting fish; it's about 
having a good day with your mates and and uh, just yeah, just enjoying enjoying the day. Being with the being being with being with your friends, being in the water, it's like this. Uh, it's it's this overall experience that matters, I think. And I was mm. speaking in Carpe Diem how I I think it's it's a bad habit or it's an addiction. I'm 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 very addicted to the second before I pull the trigger, when the prey is right in front of me and I know that it's gonna be a solid shot. Quite often mm. I end up not pulling the trigger. Okay. It's like just okay, just just go, just go. <laughs> and I have a. a I have three, I, well, three or two. I have three videos on YouTube on my channel. It's called the Grouper uh, Family Reunion. Okay. The grouper is probably the most uh, sought-after species in the Mediterranean. And they're, yeah. right now, the season starts when they mate. So they come all together in huge groups. They form, I don't know, let's say 20, 30, 50 different uh, fish. They swim yeah. together. And at the time, because the hormones are probably running high, there is all this drama and all the love is in the air, they come very yeah. close. <laughs> and uh, these, these videos, the fish just come right at your face and they look at you because they're, they're very curious. I don't yeah. take the shot and I would strongly suggest people not to take the shot when it's the mating season of the fish because they're mm. just too, too easy to get and it's a bit unfair. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I'm surprised that there's no sort of legislation to prevent people from shooting the fish during their mating season. Well, there is. For example, in Cyprus, we have a two-month period when you shouldn't shoot the fish. However, the, there are 200 people and let's say 50 of them go diving on a certain day and they dive around. Uh, the coastline is 150 kilometers, so you, you can never control it. I think enforcing something doesn't usually work. And what we try to do now, or what I try to do with my students, for example, is uh, I try to uh, get them started with this culture of not shooting fish. It's not, it's, I, I don't shoot the grouper quite often because I know that I shouldn't, but I don't shoot it because I value the fish itself. And I think it might, it should live for a bit longer, that certain fish. And I think this is what should be in the mind of Spiros. It's not that we don't shoot groupers because it's uh, illegal, but we don't want to shoot them because we just don't we just don't want to. We don't think it's right to shoot them at that certain time. But it's yeah, I agree. I like I like that trying to change a culture and instill a culture of sort of honor for the fish and um, a bit of custodianship of the ocean. Yeah, a bit of stewardship. Yeah. And look, I think you're right. Cod, cod. We call them cod here. Grouper, same yeah. thing. Um, they're a fish with a lot of character. And uh, like you, you look at them, they're just gnarly. They are great. They are great to. They are great to eat. Oh yeah. But they um they, they sometimes they're that dumb. It's not funny. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, they sort of come out of their hole and bark at you like a dog. That's you know true. What I mean, it's just ugh, too easy. Yeah. We sort of have our own rules on the boat now. Like once we get one or two on the boat, it's kind of like okay, guys, that's enough cod. We're on, okay. We're going to move on. There is also. But um, that that that's self-imposed. Well, I think it should be this way. Plus, there is this, uh, it's not, maybe it's not as evident in uh, your waters, but there is the, I, it, it was an academic paper by one Greek guy. It's called the shifting baseline uh, phenomena. Um, if, let's say we take a spot with a lot of groupers, and uh, if we were to shoot the biggest fish, the biggest fish is always the male. If we were to shoot the biggest fish, 
the second biggest female is going to turn to become a male. So the eventually, over the period of time, the, the sex change is very rapid. So the smaller and smaller fish become males. And the groupers, they stop growing as big as they were back in the day. I might not put it very clearly, but it's called the shifting baselines phenomena. And there is quite a plenty of information on the internet. People don't know about it. They keep shooting groupers. And this is one of the reasons why I and, my, well, my partner, he doesn't like the idea, but he still follows it. Uh, we don't shoot. If, we, if we're at a spot and we see only one big fish, we usually just let it live. So if, if we see two, three, yeah, you could shoot one. But there, there must be a big fish at a, any certain spot. That's my perspective. Cool. I'll try and link up that article in the show notes for people that are interested in having a read about that. And if you if you have any other articles like that, just send them on. And okay, sure, sure. That'd be cool. I would love to. So um, I was just going to ask you quickly about awareness. Now in your video, sort of what are some things you, because I, I know for a lot of noobs, it, it's something that a lot of Spiros develop over time. Yes. Uh, what, what sort of pointers do you give to guys starting out to help them develop uh Fish, spearfishing awareness well i think all of us should there are two sides of awareness and one should be awareness towards the outside so outside of your body uh, and one should be on a one should focus on the inside if we start with the inside you should always well it comes with experience as you said uh, but you should focus on how your body reacts to the water to the dives to spearfishing to your progress you should know not to you should learn not to push your body too much and uh, you should know what your weak points are and you should try to develop them. I think that's for sure. You, like, you, you should know what's going on inside your own body because this is the most valuable tool you could ever have. Uh, awareness towards the outside is, again, you should know what your environment is. You should pay attention to your environment. And, of course, if you learn how to read the environment, if you know the fish behavior, if you learn to understand everything, if you learn to understand the currents, your spearfishing is going to be much more effective. If you see, if you understand uh, how the fish react to amberjacks, you will instantly know there is an amberjack. So you have this margin which is on your side. You could dive earlier and you could be more ready to shoot the fish. And again, well, the just like I've said earlier, uh, I don't think that the sea is like a bank and it keeps giving credits. The sea keeps giving, but we should control our taking and well you should pay attention to the environment it's mega important if you want to continue diving 10 20 years from now yeah. cool good advice all right pedro are you there see it's time for noob spiros fast five facts ay, ay, ay. all right so pedro pedro <laughs> so it's time for the fast five facts Anvar. um so fast five facts is where we ask you to give our audience five pieces of advice about you know what you what you would have liked to have had starting out what advice would you like to have had starting out okay the one of the most important i would think uh is to seek knowledge and to continue learning if you think if you ever think you know too much basically this is the stop of your development and you're not going to get any better so if there is a problem or you want to know something seek knowledge actively there is internet there is the noob spiro podcast there is the deep spirit <laughs> <laughs> There are tons of different alternatives and you should try it. I mean, in, let's be real. In our age, it's easy to kind of speak with people. There is Facebook, there is YouTube, there is whatever. Mm. So yeah. seek knowledge. This is the tip number one. 
The tip number two would be look after your equipment. Yes, I know I'm a bit lazy myself and I think, ah, well, I dived yesterday, so I don't really need to wash my suit. But over time it accumulates and you're going to have to buy a new suit. You have to buy a new gun. You'll have to get a new mask. And let's be real. You don't want a fin to break when you're at water in the water. You don't want your rubbers to snap when you're in the water. So unless you take care of your kit quite regularly, you will never know what's what's up with it. What's the conditions? Cool. Um, the tip number three would be to try to understand the sea. The sea is a unique system, and we are just the elements which are in the sea, and you you cannot enforce your own rules there. So you have to try to learn with the sea. The currents, the fish behavior, the visibility, the temperature, the thermocline, the waves, the boats, everything. You have to you have to learn how to how it all works. You have to understand the system and adapt your diving to it. That's good. Number four. Number four. Uh, well, it's about equipment. I think that you people shouldn't focus. The, the the people shouldn't think that the most expensive is the best. Yes, you it. Higher price usually translates to higher quality, but it's not always the case. And then there is the rule of diminishing returns. Oh, I cannot speak. I love it. <laughs> there is the uh, $200 fins, let's say fiberglass or com composite fins or carbon fiber. And then you would find some 400 euro sets of fins. Well, they could be better. They probably are better. However, will you ever understand the difference? Nah. Probably I will not, nor most of us will. Maybe if you're a hardcore mega deep diver, you will say, yeah, this is a three grams lighter and I really need this edge. Yes. Is it always the case? Not really. Yeah, cool. Uh, well, and the last bit would be, this is what I kind of faced and this is where I spent a lot of money and I spent a lot of nerves, but I think you should always focus on yourself first and then the equipment. So... First, focus on improving yourself, and then, when the need comes, improve your equipment. Uh, okay. You should you should grow. You should. Uh, it's, it's like an evolution process. You shouldn't buy a very long two hundred uh, centimeter gun if you think it looks cool. Rather, when you <laughs> feel that your older gun is just it doesn't cut it anymore, and you kind of got everything out of it, and you it, yeah. you must make a step, and then you change your gun, for example, or your fins, or anything else. Just like I said in Carpe Diem, it's, it's your technique that defines you and it's not uh, your equipment. So you could have the... It's like the cycling craze. Do you guys have cycling craze in Australia now or it's already... Yes, yes, we do. Yeah. We do. It's, it, here it's blooming. People get those hardcore, mega expensive bikes. Everyone's dressed nice. Mm. They we, call them, we, we call them mammals over here. Middle-aged men in Lycra. Okay. okay, yeah, same, same here. And I would want to believe that our sport, spearfishing and freediving, it's a bit deeper mentally. And we don't just get flashy stuff because we think it looks flashy. Rather, we get it because we think we need it. Cool. Very good advice, Zach. What's, oh. that, what's that French um, cycling race? Like, Tour, Tour de, de France. France. Tour de France. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Anyway. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm, 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 right, I'm right into my cycling, Amber. When, when Tour de France happens on TV over here, yeah. seriously, like the roads on a Saturday morning and a Sunday morning are just clogged full of cyclists. And then a month after, it's all died back down again. It's just your hard cause. Well, no, but no, no, you're, 
on one hand, it's pretty cool. At least there is some motivation to go out and meet new people and do something with, well, our own body. But I think it should be sustainable. You should actually want to do it on Wednesday yeah. and not only Saturday and Sunday. T Turbo was down with yeah. it until he realized there was exercise involved. If it was just wearing lycra <laughs> with other blokes and maybe slapping each other's bums, he would be there every week without fail. But because, unfortunately, there's work... I'm going to slap your bum. He's out. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So to, to uh, wrap those no. five pieces oh, yep. of advice up, we have seek knowledge and continue your learning. Yes. Number two, look after your equipment or it's going to cost you money in repairs. Of course. Three, um, learn to understand the sea and its conditions, its currents, its waves, its thermoclines, all those kinds of things. Number four, shop wisely. Expensive gear is not always the best. Yes. And shop to your skill level. Hang on, and he gave a great economic principle there, the law of diminishing returns. I just want to uh, put a little highlight on that. Well done, Eric. Well, I like I, that. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, focus on self-improvement rather than your equipment and match your equipment to your skills. Mm, yeah, that's, good. that's correct. I, I think those are enough to start with. And these are the, those holistic advices that I could give. I, I, well, I could say, for example, that the thicker shaft is usually better because I just love the thicker, thicker shafts. For I, I've, the heard that as, I, I've heard that as well, actually, a lot. <laughs> well, but uh, then it doesn't really imply to most of the situations. <laughs> he he did pick up your joke there, Turbo. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, you're right. And um, like I've I've gone between a seven mil shaft and a seven point five mil shaft. What a good day. And uh, and look, the seven point five doesn't travel as well. You've got to overpower it, and um, it is good for taking down bigger fish because there's just sort of. I like them. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I've never used an eight mil shaft. What do you I, use, I, I Amber? Just, I've just put an eight on my roller, and uh, holy crap, it just it flies. It it yeah? it's mega. Yeah. Which hands are guys using? Uh, Rob Allen, shamelessly love him. Yeah. How long? Uh, <clears throat> Sorry. How long? What What How are the model lengths? I, I use a I use a one point two as my ah, my okay. go to gun, and if the water's good, um, one point four. Okay. Mm. We can get away like a good dirty water gun here as a meter, and then um, guys sometimes have cray guns for like, okay. little guns, and then and the biggest we generally use over here might be a one five, but you, generally you find guys using between a one one and a one four. Okay. okay. But, uh, what about what about you guys? Uh, well, here in the Met, since I since most of the hunting is done around the rocks or under the rocks, as I told you earlier, most guns are 100, 110, 115. I have this. It's a. Uh, I'm I'm in love with rollers. I think the rollers are the future, and uh, I have this C4. I got it a few weeks. Well, no, it's a couple of months old now. The Urukai oh, 105, cool. yeah. sexy as hell. I, I mean. I just fell in love with the body, honestly. I told you not to go for the most expensive, but <laughs> you know, like, I just want it, you know, just give it to How me. How much did you pay for this gun? Okay, listen, this is the funny story. I bought it from the official uh, C4 tester. The guy was working yeah. with the C4, so my gun is the prototype of the Urukai. So it's like the second model built. I got wow. it for 450 That's euro, cool. and it's, I think it's a steal. With, there were a couple of shafts. There were a couple of meters of reel uh, of uh, yeah. rubbers. Yeah. So, and the guy was quite good. Like we were speaking on the same level, talking about coefficients, like like we do with yeah. you with the rule of diminishing returns. So yeah, I was yeah. like, it's it's a good, it's a good purchase. 
Yeah, cool, man. Oh, that's that's a good. It's good to hear a story behind the gun. So, I guess we we were actually going to start talking crucial kit for noobs. So, I mean, we're we're sort of already there. So, roller guns while we're there, yeah. can we talk a bit more about roller guns? Oh yeah, sure. Um, I think that roller guns is honestly the future of the sport because you have the same gun and it's much more power, less recoil. Well, you know, you probably heard all the all the good things about. Uh-huh. Sorry. Yeah, keep going, mate. Yes, yeah, sir. yeah. And uh, I fell in love with the rollers a couple of years ago. We were building our own one, our own guns. But honestly, since I my last gun was a Trigons. Have you heard of the Trigons? A Greek brand. Yep. Quite expensive. Yep. So, but well, a decent gun. It's a very yep. well built gun. I was using yep. it with a three seventeen and a half millimeter bends and a eight millimeter shaft. Wow. So it's like a wow. a powerhouse. That was a man's gun. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> this is the thing. It, you know, my hand would hurt of uh, because of the recoil, but I would think, you know, yeah. it's a man's gun. And all the people yeah. look at three bands, and I'm like, what are you using? Two banded gun? Pfft, come on, get a life. Look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so at some point, I thought, okay, let's give it a try. I modified it to be uh, a roller, and I never looked back. Yes, it's not wow. as much power as a three seventeen millimeter bands, but there is precision. There is just a straight point shooting there is no recoil and it's just nice and lovely so my c4 now we made it the roller too it's an easy procedure you can do it in your friend's garage uh the tools that are used it has a part of the fin which i broke many years ago there is like a diy shop screw so it's very simple i don't know ten dollars to make it if you do it wow. clever yeah. and the performance is just amazing Eight millimeter shaft okay. just flies. Awesome. So that's that's your own design, is it? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Have, have you put that up on? Um, it's on Facebook. It, up on the web. It's on Facebook, and I could. I, I I'll give you. I'll send you the link of the photos. Uh, what I'm proud of. What I'm proud of is that uh, all our previous guns. We. I have a friend, a very good friend of mine. We both have this engineering set of mine, so we try to do stuff with our own hands. But usually, stuff works, but it's ugly, because we just don't yeah, yeah. go for aesthetics. This one, yeah. I actually made few prototypes, and it's probably the most pretty thing I did with my hands in my life. So it, it, <laughs> you could make it look nice too. Cool. All right. All right. Hey, um, just quickly, what's the funniest story you have out spearfishing? The funniest story. Um, yeah. Well, my funniest. Let's let's put it that way. My funniest day was one day at sea, and it was the hardest day in my life. Uh, at sea it was it was funny because it was so difficult basically i thought that this it was the only day in my life when the sea was like guys i don't want you here today just get out go home but since we are mentally stubborn we were thinking no we shall do it and just to i've got it written here i'm just gonna give you some details i'm not gonna go all into the details but i shot an aj it was like a 10 kilo i shot it in a tummy because it was a very weird shot it got stuck in the rocks, it left. So it went off the shaft. I was a bit sad, but I thought, okay, well, uh, next time just try to take a better shot. This was the dive. It was an hour after we started, the beginning, the beginning of the day. All right, no problem. We go to a different spot. I'm taking my friend's gun. I'm going down uh, to the rock is 36 and it drops down to 42, 41. I see a big grouper down there. I aim at a grouper with my friend's gun. I shoot, the mono line gets stuck, the shaft travels right in the face of the fish, 
it stops, goes back, then it goes into the rock. I think, okay, not a problem. Uh, but mentally, I'm starting to burn. There is this stupid feeling inside the mind. It's like, that's not your day, just go home. But as I said, I say, it's all right. We can live with it. Let's go further. Uh, I'm getting a smaller gun. I see a fish. I, I dive at another place. I'm making a dive. Uh, same thing. It's another gun. I'm going for the fish. And I sh the fish, are the groupers, that they're just laying in front of me in the sand. I miss like two, three fish just like by one centimeter. I, to I, I totally blame it on my motivation because it was like, it was in pieces by then. Yeah. All right, we keep moving. Uh, I take a gun, uh, another gun, a shorter gun. We have this cave gun because we see a very good fish. I yeah. go down, I shoot the fish in the cave. It's uh, around 39. I start coming up. The reel gets stuck. It doesn't open. Visibility oh. is 30 meters, so you don't even see where the rock was. I drop mm. the gun, I come up, my friend starts to dive, he, he keeps diving, I start. I, I keep diving to get the fish, the reel is badly stuck, so it, there is no way of getting the gun out. At some point, he gets a very bad sinus squeeze, so he's not diving anymore. Uh, another guy, he was with us, he gets a samba, same fish, same, next <laughs> he's not diving anymore. And I'm like, okay, come on, you gotta do it. Uh, at this time, do you guys use variable weights? Nah. It, it's a, I, I don't like the idea. I think it's too easy. But at that time, it was the end of the day. We were long overdue. We were long after the time we were supposed to be out. We started using variable weights. So it's the, it's a lot of weight on the belt. The belt is hooked to a buoy. You dive with a, you don't kick. You just go down. You drop the weight. You come up. I made few dives. One of the variable weights gets stuck in the fishing lines on the bottom. So we have to use another one. And honestly, it just kept going and going. And there were a few other very ugly things happening that day. But the, the, the cherry on the pie, the, the, the cherry cake was, we got the fish out. Everyone's happy. All the variable weights are in the boat. We try to roll the equipment out of the sea. And um, the boat is, let's say, 10 meters from me. And my partner is... Uh, 10 meters to the other side. So I'm in the middle. I'm between the boat and my partner. We None of us have the weights because they were used as a variable weights and they're sitting in a boat. And I look to the boat. I look at the direction of the boat and I see that the, um, the fish stringer line was broken and all our face <laughs> fish, it slowly sinks to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, the funny bit, oh. like we're already on the brick of the breakdown, on nervous breakdown. Yeah. And... I, I know that it's only me because my partner is further. I have to make a dive. I have a seven millimeter suit, no weight. Yeah. So I try to pull with my hand, <laughs> feet I kick as hard as I can. I forgot to equalize. I grab the fish. I come out. I'm like, dude, I think we got to just get out, put the boat <laughs> on the dry land and just sit and, I don't know, have a drink. Have this a beer. was a very funny experience I, I, in my point of view. The worst, yeah, no, it's... the funnier story it is in the end. Oh, yeah, it's a real story too, you know, like, like you just have bad days, Amber. Hey, um, just quickly, um, we're going to have to wrap this one up, but what's, what, what, if our audience had to, you wanted them to take an action, what would it be? You wanted them to come and have a look at your deep spearfishing encyclopedia well, yeah, on yeah, YouTube? I would definitely suggest uh, the listeners uh, to go check out the deep spearfishing encyclopedia. Please don't be very scared with the languages I choose because one part is in English, one is in Greek, one is in Italian, one is in Turkish, one is in... Uh, 
one other language i forgot which in russian yeah in russian um yeah. but no, no kazakhstani like, there's always captions and you can choose no. whichever language you want yes that's good i'm gonna check them all out i'll link them up in your show notes so if people want to have a look it'll be on anvar mufastalov page on noob spiro and uh yeah, and yeah. um they can come and check yeah i'm your... really i'm pretty keen on checking out this roller head yeah cool. that sounds great yeah all right hey thanks for coming on the show anvar we've had thank a ball. you for having me it's been a pleasure Cool. Thanks for listening today, Noob Spiro. If you'd like to find out any more information from today's guest, then head over to noobspiro.com. We really appreciate you guys as listeners. Without you, we couldn't do the show. So if you want to help us out, leave us a review on iTunes or head on over to noobspiro.com and uh, sign up for our newsletter. We won't send you crap. So that's all from us. A big hooroo. We hope to see you soon. Shrek over and out. <laughs>